and you hear that song, you know the time is here. It's the Wrestling Perspective Podcast. I'm Dennis Farrell, and he's the man, the myth, the legend, my friend, and a friend to America and Canada, Peter Williams. How's she going, eh? I didn't really have a... Man, whenever you... Do, do you think, by the way, now when Canadians hear this, uh, the the national anthem at Maple Leaf Garden or in Montreal, they'll be like, oh, I can't wait for Petey to come on and say, how's she going, eh? Uh, you know, maybe if Maple Leaf Gardens was still around, but uh, I think like they all play at, uh, I don't know, like Air Canada Center or something. It feels like every time we start this podcast and that national anthem goes on, it feels like we're starting like a, like a sporting event or something. Like, oh, here we here we go! You know, and it just gets me hyped up. I like, I, I love it. I man, sporting events are awesome. I mean, that's what gets me pumped. The national anthem before every sporting event and our podcast. So this is going to take me back to my old radio days, but uh, we have a call in number now, PD. Uh, it's brand yeah. new. Call. It's twenty four hour hotline. You call. You leave a message. Your name, number. We'll probably have a nice little recording eventually. It just got up and running. I think we have three or four to play today. So we're gonna we're gonna iron out the kinks here as we move forward with this twenty four seven hotline. But look, call it anytime. Leave a message. Know that uh, we'll do the same for the Doug cast with James Ellsworth. So just say hey. Uh, this is Mike or Jim or whatever your name is. And uh, I'm calling for the Dougcast or I'm calling for Wrestling Perspective. My question, or, you know, just say where you're calling from. I'm calling from Ontario. And my question for PD and Dennis is blank. And uh, we'll play. We'll actually play it on air. We are also working towards, and we do this recorded. So and you and I have been teasing it, and we are really working to trying to figure out and, and fix the kinks where we give out a number, and you can call while we record, and we will talk to you live. But for now, we've, we've got this hotline. I'll give the number out a few times during the show, so don't worry about having to save the spot where they saying it. I'll say it two or three more times. But the call-in number for those of you who have pins, it's 231-930-2053. That's 2053. Call, leave numbers. Be Look, we work every day, PD, to make this podcast more interactive with the fans. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... Um, a lot of podcasts you listen to, not that I'm knocking any podcast at all. They're all wonderful out there, but, uh, it's like, you know, it's the same, okay, we're going to have a guest. We're going to talk to this guest and that's going to be our show. We like having guests too. We also like talking and just shooting the breeze, like two guys that like wrestling like to do and, uh, talk as you like to say inside baseball and also interact with uh, the people that listen. So, I mean, that, that's, that's what we're all about. Should we try and play one of these voicemails real, really quick just to see if we've got yeah, this down? Yeah, yeah. Let's. Let's start off with one. It, it uh, looked, yeah, and then we've not done a test. This is like the first ever. Vo- I'm a little excited because we probably should have tested this out to see if it works. But uh, let's let's. This is live. This is live. So I mean, we can't even do any cuts right now. Right here we go. <laughs> here we go. First ever voicemail. Let's see. It's loading up now. Still loading. Hi, Dennis and Petey. This is JP from the Irish Whip Podcast. And got a couple questions for Petey Williams. Petey, um, how does the roster of TNA uh, impact now compared to TNA back in 2004? Um, 
is there any comparison between the two rosters? Is it completely different? And who do you look forward to um, going up against in the new Impact roster? And also, is the High Crusade still together and doing performing music? Thank you. Uh, you guys do an awesome job. Thanks for letting me be a part of it. All right, Pete. Awesome. Did he say JP? That's his name? Yes. I believe so. Um, so uh, the Impact roster now as compared to uh, before. So I compare this roster to, I guess, when we like first started before I was even in Impact back in 2002. You know, you had guys that were like, you know, top-notch guys in the indies trying to make a name for themselves. And then, you know, as you see throughout the years progressed, you know, we slowly start getting in, uh, you know, some, some XWB guys or bigger names, so some more household names that people are aware of, um, and we kind of go from there. So, you know, obviously right now, uh, we're limited on that. We don't have, like, the Hulk Hogan's or the Ric Flair's or Sting's or anything like that anymore. Um, but I feel like we're back, like, kind of like we were full circle. Like, we're back in 2002 just trying to put on, you know, the most jam-packed, best show that we could possibly do with the roster we have on hand. Um, Talent-wise, I'd say they're very, very similar. I mean, we, you know, I mean, it's it's not going to compare to, like, the AJ Styles and stuff like that. Like, those are the guys that started in 2002 and made a name for themselves working up. But I feel like that's where we're at right now. We have guys that are, you know, fresh, um, you know, maybe haven't been in the business that long or have been in the business that long, but are looking to make a name for themselves. And they have all the tools uh, to be able to do it. Um, so I, I believe that's where we're at um, right now. I would uh, I would also say, though, Petey, the landscape of wrestling is so much different from now to even the uh, main event mafia years in TNA, where back then it was, you know, maybe Ring of Honor, WWE, and TNA were the only places you knew indie talent. You, you may have known a few indie darlings, but outside of that, there were... The the names of indie wrestlers were not widely circulated as they are today. Now, you have a guy like Killer Cross who, if you're a strict main WWE person, you may not know him. But if you're indie, he's on Lucha Underground now. He's on with you. He's made a name in the indie circuit. So his name is a lot bigger than what it would be if he were to have started during the TNA you know, early years when you were talking about yeah, no, absolutely. And like you, you see guys that are like, you know, somewhat have a name for themselves on the Indies back in the early impact days. Um, but you know, there was only like, I, I remember when I was starting and I got um, on impact, uh, I mean, DVDs, selling DVDs at shows wasn't even, it was kind of sort of becoming a thing. It's like, okay, we're going to make the transition from VHS to CDs. But I remember still, or DVDs, sorry. And I remember Smart Mark Video, and I don't even know if Smart Mark Video is still around. And uh, High Spots and all that kind, all those companies, they would be there at their merch table selling VHS tapes of like IW Mid South, um, Combat Zone Wrestling, CZW, uh, even like Ring of Honor shows, all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I actually, I think Ring of Honor did their own DVDs and stuff, but they were selling all the indie stuff. So you know, I was on a lot of those tapes. But then I go to Nashville. And then I, I make my debut, and they're like, "Oh, who's? I don't. We don't know this guy because there's no YouTube or anything like back then." And but now, if a guy debuts on our show, 
it's almost like, oh yeah, I know him because I've seen him on YouTube or I've seen him on some sort of social media or, or indie kind of thing. So it's way it's way easier to start off as an indie wrestler now. Um, but yeah, no, you're absolutely right, Dennis. And then as for his uh, second question, I believe he said, who do I look forward to working against? Me. Um, exactly. I want to I want to train you and then beat the crap out of you. Um, you sound like Ellsworth. You know, <laughs> sorry. I mean, I guess listening to his show, it's kind of wearing off on me. Um, <laughs> Damn. So, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, there's a lot of guys that I have. I, I mean, I kind of worked with like Johnny Impact. I've worked with a few times, but you know, I'd like to have like a singles match on on Impact with him. Uh, guys like Moose, I've never worked with. Killer Cross, I've worked with. But I, I'd loved working with him, and you know, I'd, I'd like to do it again. Even Austin Aries in the past, Ring of Honor, we were married to each other for the whole six months I was there, it seemed like. Um, and even in when he was in Impact uh, back in the 2005-06 era, um, we worked with each other a lot. But I'd like to go at it again. And like guys like Sammy Callahan, um, I really like working at OV, who I'm going to be able to work again uh, at the Border City Wrestling 25th anniversary show this Saturday. Um, but I mean, everybody, man, I have nobody that I'm like avoiding or, or anything like that. Um, you know, even like Brian cage, I'd love to, like, he's huge and I know I'd get like my butt kicked really bad, but I'd love to just have the experience of being able to, to work with him and a lot of these other guys. And even some of the, the knockouts, I'm like, you know what, nowadays it seems like they have all these, uh, intergender matches now. Um, it's different because, you know, on pop TV, and even you don't even see it on WWE. You don't see like uh, man on woman violence. That's what they would call it, even though it's you know professional wrestling. You see it in Lucha. Um, they frown upon that. You see that in when Lucha Underground. They're they're doing that now though. Yeah, but you got to remember that that Lucha that that Del Rey network. You know, you you see the show that's on right after that, and it's like Quentin Tarantino's Still Don or whatever the case may be, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, it doesn't like Robert Rodriguez have like a share in that or maybe that's his network so that's a little bit more of an edgier network so they can get away with that pop and like the usa network and all that kind of stuff that's more family friendly i guess you could say more more pg ish um but i'd like to do that with the knockouts that's something i've I've never actually wrestled one-on-one against a female uh at at a like a professional wrestling show i've done um some intergender stuff and like maybe a spot with a female but I've never actually had a match. I'd like to do that, like, you know, kick it off my bucket list just because everybody else is doing it. I want to be cool and do it too. All right. It, I, if I had to compare, the the you say we brought up Main Event Mafia years when it was stacked full of big names. I think this roster is more talented and athletic. Maybe back then, of course, you can't beat Nash and Sting and Flair in any of those guys, and I'm not saying you guys didn't have any athletic, but from top to bottom, this roster right now that we're watching, more athletic than the main event mafia years. Yeah, and it's, it's I, I don't like to relate it to ECW because it's nothing like ECW, but one thing that Paul Heyman did really well is whoever his world heavyweight champion was, you, you can say it was like a Rhino or, or, or a Raven, Tommy Dreamer, whoever the case may be. You can pick anybody on that roster and like for an open challenge, like let's say they have an open challenge and anybody on that roster could would have came out and the fans would have believed, hey, maybe he has a shot. That doesn't happen on WWE now. Even back in the early impact days, if like uh, 
somebody like a Sting's the world champion, you're not going to say Petey Williams, who's like a mid card in the X division, is going to come out there and, and beat him, right? I say I think now on Impact, and, and this just goes to show, like a few weeks ago when Fala, who is a mid card wrestler, uh, maybe people didn't believe that he was going to beat Austin Aries that day, but they built it up for like only a week. Uh, and you know, the people were like behind him and like, yeah, Fala can maybe win and we could see him as the champion. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it has a lot more of that feel like, Hey, you know, we're, we're almost kind of all, all on the same level. Do you want to play another voicemail real quick? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, I'm just going down the list here. Here's the next one. Okay. As it loads up again, we got to do better with load time. Hey, my yeah. name is Brandon yeah. from Holly Hill, South Carolina, and I got a question for Petey. One, how the hell did you learn how to do the Canadian Destroyer, and what about that means you want that to be your finisher? All right, uh, that was very low, Pete. If you didn't hear it or the people on the podcast, the question was, uh, how the hell did you come up with the Canadian Destroyer, and what made you want that to be your finish? Now, We've heard the Canadian Destroyer story a million times on every podcast, but I, I'll give this guy credit. Or lady, I'm sorry, I could barely hear you. But yeah. the question of what made you want that to be your finisher, even though it looked cool, that's a good question. Yeah, and I, the first time I ever used it against Matt Seidel in 2003, um, it, I wasn't winning the match. The, the match was planned for Seidel to win. And I said, Hey, I want to do this. I want to try this move. And we did, I didn't really know how to do it. I've talked about this story before. And he was just like, okay, yeah, sure. It sounds good. And, uh, it, it came off awesome. And it wasn't even the finish. Like Matt kicked out of it because it wasn't the finish. We didn't know how spectacular it was going to be, but I watched back that, uh, tape at the time. And you just see like everybody gets up on their feet, like not believing what they saw. And, just right when that happened, it was kind of like, and, and I remember walking to the back after that, Ian Rotten, uh, who was the promoter of IWA Mid-South, was like, oh my God, man, you got to do that. You got to do that move all the time, man. That was, you know, crazy. And he was throwing a lot of F-bombs in there and all that kind of stuff. He was, he was freaking out about it. And like within two months, I'm like his world champion, right? Um, but so, so that's when you knew, like, you're just like, when people are like, oh my God, that was, that was crazy. You're like, okay, well, nobody's ever said that about anything else that I've ever done. Um, so that's going to be my finishing move. You can't really top that. Like, you always want to build up, like, you know, you don't want to have your finishing move be something that's not as spectacular as one of your trademark moves. It has to be the most spectacular move that you do in your repertoire. Do you think without that move, you would be where you are today? Honestly, because I, I love you, Pete. I do, but I think without the Canadian Destroyer, you would have been a very successful indie wrestler at best. Yep, no, absolutely. I'd have been nothing without that move, and I under, I, I understand that, and that's why um, I still do the move. I know what you know got me my fame and my you know recognition and stuff. So, yeah, and at first when I first started doing it, um, for the first little bit, like I, I kind of hated it because. I didn't, I had this move and I didn't know how to actually properly use it. And for everybody listening that does the Canadian destroyer, um, you know, in their matches, I know that everybody and their mother does, 
you know, this is very important because you got something, you just have, you have to know how to use it. So at first I was like, man, everybody's just wants me to do that move and blah. And I was getting sick of it. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of like rebelled against it a little bit like, Hey, I'm not just a one move wonder or whatever. And then that was short lived because I'm like, you know what, instead of, you know, swimming up the stream or fighting against the grain or, or whatever the case may be, I'm like, I need to embrace it and, you know, make this move work, work for me. So what I did was uh, I, I just tried to, you know, um, establish my whole match around trying to hit that move. And I know Don Callis on commentary says it all the time and it drives me nuts and I've tell him about it. He's like, oh, he telegraphs that move. He goes for it way too much. Uh, you know, his opponents have it scouted. You know, if you go to the well too many times and stuff like that. And I feel like saying, hey, Don, if you don't go to the well at all, you're not going to drink either, right? So, I mean, I, I just had to structure all my matches around that and stuff because, and, you know, and this is inside baseball. If you ever watch my match, watch all of my matches, all right? And if, if you really look at it, I don't really, you know, hit what they consider a false finish in a match because nobody thinks a false finish is, that's what, it's, that's what it is right there. People are buying it as the finish of the match, right? So I don't usually, people know that the finish of my match isn't going to come until I hit the Canadian Destroyer. If I do any other move, they're not going to think like, oh, that's the finish. No, absolutely not. So that, that's why like, I'm very particular in my psychology behind it and all that kind of stuff, how I shoot my match. So people believe it and not like, okay, we're just waiting for the Destroyer and stuff. I mean, if, if you're really um, you know, a, a fan of wrestling or really into analyzing and stuff like that, look at my matches and see how I structure it. And then you'll be like, oh, that, that totally makes sense. There you go. That uh, that's interesting. We've got a couple more. We'll play a little bit later. Let's get to the meat and potatoes of this podcast. Why we all came, Pete. I actually helped run my first show last weekend, and it was an eye opener. Very educating. I've, I, you know, I had a headset. I'm running around, and people are listening to me and calling me sir. And you know, the one thing that I tried to do that I see a lot of people do at these shows is you you have a lot of the ring crew, security, some of the refs show up for free out of their own time, and they're kind of treated like crap at indie shows. And I really didn't want to be that guy where I'm like, hey, you, you go pick that up and run over there. I, I wanted to treat these guys different because they show up, and one guy drove from Indiana just to be part of the show, uh, you know, and all they want is a chance to be on the show. Now, it hardly ever happens. Sometimes there are circumstances that play out, and, and sure, they get their wish. And I feel bad, but man, I treated these guys like they were the backbone of the show, which they were. But you know, why do they get treated so horribly at indie shows? That's a good question. And I mean, at Impact, we're the exact opposite. Like, I'll give you an example. You might have been there for that, Dennis. Um, uh, they'll say something like, Hey, we need a guy. Um, and it might be just an enhancement match or whatever, but you're going to be on TV. Um, and I know everybody there set up the ring. All they want is to be part of the show. That's all they want. Right. They don't care when, how, whatever they want to be part of the show. And then if we have an opening spot, we're like, Oh yeah, we need somebody to tag with, uh, this guy, or we need somebody to, um, be in this pre-tape segment as a bartender or whatever the case may be. Usually it's not like, hey, let's just grab that guy. 
we're like, uh, okay, who set up the ring? You know, that's a, like the first thing we go to guys that are, like you said, helping out on their own dime, just wanting to, you know, work their way up, paying their dues, all that kind of stuff. That's when we, that's where we first go to. And then we, we take it from there. So it's kind of like, Hey, we realize you're, you're helping us, you know, and you're putting forth the effort, paying your dues. If we get a chance to repay you, we will. So, and on the Indies, I, I don't know why. I mean, I, I, well, you saw like that. I think that last Toronto show we were at, um, I think I was waiting for you or, or somebody else and maybe you weren't there. Um, and they were taking down the canvas of the ring. So I started unhooking some, uh, you know, some of the, the bungee cords and stuff like that until, you know, the guy that I was waiting for got there. And, you know, I'm not above that. I've been doing it for 18 years and I'm not like, Hey man, I can't touch or set up a ring. No, I mean, I'll, I'll help. So, but everybody's uh, different, um, and sees things in a different light. Uh, but that's a good question. I don't know why they're, they're treated like that. That's a I, great question, Dennis. I hated it. And I, I really tried to go above and beyond to, Make sure that didn't happen to me. I saw, uh, I, I, and no names here, by the way, but I was I was discouraged by the way some of the bigger name talent and even local bigger name talent acted. I, I, as, as a fan, you don't ever really see that. Once the show's over, you get hustled out, and a lot of times that's when people get paid. And, you know, even before the show, you, you there people complain about the stupidest stuff. And I was just there. There were many times I just kind of shook my head. Coming from the real world, the you know into this world, I I use a lot of real world uh, logic to solve problems. And people think I'm like this. This I, I don't look. I'm trying to put myself over without really putting myself over. But as you had told me, wrestling logic within the wrestling world is totally different than real world real world logic, and it blows my mind. Yeah, the business is way different. And you know, you got to remember, some people might have a bad run-in with like uh, somebody that was a stagehand or, or, or in the, on the ring crew. Like I remember one time I was at a show in New York. I, I think it was New York somewhere. And my Team Canada jersey that I used to actually wear, like that the baseball jersey, the button-up one, uh, one of the, I think, security slash ring crew guys stole it. Um, and he bolted out of the building. And, you know, I had to catch a flight the next day. It's not like I could stick around and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, sometimes stuff happens where it puts a bad taste in your mouth and people just kind of uh, typecast like, oh, all ring crew guys are like that. You know, like some, some are like really disrespectful and, you know, but that's, that's, that's everywhere in the world. It's not just ring crew guys. That's every profession you go to. So, and it just, that's what people do. It's like, oh, I ring crew that this happened to me by one of the guys before. So I don't like ring crew guys or, or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, prime example is when you had a lot of the ring or I don't even know if they're ring crew, but they were like kind of, uh, uh, you know, just, uh, extras and they were all sitting in chairs watching the monitor and Coney had had nowhere to sit. And, you know, like he has a bad hip. He's been in the business longer than all of us. Somebody should offer this chair him like their chair. Um, so, you know, in that case, you're thinking like, man, these ring crew guys or these extras, man, what are they doing? Yeah. You know, like, so right there, you, you just typecast, like all of them are that way because of maybe one person. And that's not fair, but that's kind of how not only the wrestling business, but like the whole world goes. 
you said something that reminded me that I want to talk about something, then I totally blanked on it. But no, it it was it was fun, educational. I had a blast, and hopefully, the education continues, whether it's here or somewhere else. Uh, ultimately, I I love the business so much. I regret waiting till I'm forty to start doing things with it. But I'm I'm having a blast where I am and what I'm learning. Yeah, and I, I mean. Same thing. I'm, uh, you know, up there in age as well. And, you know, just doing this stuff with impact and stuff. uh, I'm learning too, you know, like you don't realize, you know, and I'll get a call from like Demore and like, Hey, I'm watching this. Why did this happen? This was your segment. And I'm thinking like in my head, like, wow, I really have to micromanage that. Like I I figured it was like self-explanatory because it's common knowledge and all this kind of stuff. So you learn little things along the way. See, so you, you never really stop learning. Um, but and you'll see that, Dennis. Uh, you'll, you'll go forward with this company and hopefully on to other companies and, you know, be a big, big star in wrestling. Now, and uh, you'll, you'll always keep learning, though. I don't want to be a big star. I just want to have fun. And, and that's it. I have zero, uh, you know, in this wrestling business, people don't understand Anyone in wrestling has these delusions of grandeur. They think they are bigger than they are. I've seen it with some indie talent. I've seen it hanging out in Impact with you. People think they are always bigger than they really are in this industry. I'm just happy with the small little piece of land I've carved out. And I just want to learn. And that's it. Let's move on, PD. I, I do have a question a fan wanted me to ask you. And, oh, that was what I want to remind you. Walking into the show, right? I, I learned from Demore and, and Norholm, always dress nice when you go to the show. You're the leadership. so And you know I always dress nice when I go with you anyways. It's just I, I, I represent you. I want to look nice. So I'm wearing a suit and tie, and I'm walking up to the show. And I'm walking by these three fans, and one of them goes, uh, 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 excuse me, are, are you Dennis Farrell? And I'm like, yeah, I am. He goes, I love your podcast with P.D. Williams. And I that right there, my th- between you and I, everything could have gone bad at the show. Some of it did. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. This show could have been horrible, but that moment made that night amazing for me because – that anytime a fan comes and says something to us, I love it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm the same way and I'll, I'll get it too. Like it's different because Dennis, you're known for this podcast. I was known before this podcast. So people usually, if they have to have one thing to say to me, it might not be, Hey, I love your podcast. But a lot of people do say that like, Hey man, I love your podcast. I'm like, dude, that that's what usually gets me to turn around now. Not like, Hey man, I love the Canadian destroyer. I love or or good ma- or whatever the case may be. I still say thanks, but what actually makes me stop, like in my tracks, is when they say, "Hey, I love your podcast." I'm like, "Wait, what?" Because it's something we're building. We've created and we're 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 building from so, scratch. Uh, you, you take a certain sense of of pride in it. it absolutely. I I told him to reach out to me on Twitter or Facebook, and I haven't heard from him yet. Maybe he stopped listening by now. But I I really want to give him a thank you. Because I totally appreciate it. That right there set the tone for how happy my day was. And he doesn't even know. Uh, hopefully, if he's listening, that that one thank you. And I introduced myself. I stood out there and I tried to talk to him for as long as I could. 
it, that moment really made my day and my night. I ran inside like a little 16-year-old girl and shot you a text like, dude, you'll never guess what happened. I, you know, I'm sitting there hanging out with Big Cass and MVP and these guys, and all I was excited about was someone loved my podcast. So I just wanted to tell him thank you from the bottom of my heart for really making my afternoon that day. Yeah. And uh, you know what? I, I missed something. You reminded me of, of this when you were talking about this. Uh, the first guy asked a, a third question, I believe, or a fourth one. He said, is the High Crusade still together? Uh, I was reminded of it because it's always it's always cool when you do something outside of uh, what you're known for in wrestling and people recognize it. Um, for those that don't know, the High Crusade was uh, a band that I was in uh, with myself, Alex Shell, Chris Saban, and, and two other guys. Um, and we kind of got together. We were playing rock band one day on PlayStation. And we said, hey, we can all play instruments. Why don't we just start a real band? So we started a real band. We actually recorded, put an album out. Um, uh, it, it was The High Crusade. It's called It's Not What You Think. You could see it on like YouTube and all that kind of stuff. But to answer the guy's question, no, we are still not together. Uh, our drummer, who was also our engineer um, and had the studio and all that kind of stuff, he actually moved across the state to work for, for Amazon doing um, – audio recordings for like books or whatever the case may be um so we're, we're kind of I, I don't like to say we broke up but we're on hiatus but it's been a like a 10-year hiatus <laughs> uh we have a lot of things we have to hit to let's get this other voicemail and then we'll get to a couple of topics we have left i'm kind of shocked at how quick the time has flown in this podcast remember 231-930-2053 Leave a voicemail 24-7. This is good for this wrestling perspective. And the DuckCast with James Ellsworth. It's something new we're trying. Write the number down. You can call it. Ask a question, topic. We're going to try to be better at asking a topic of the week where, you know, PD will be, you know, we'll come up with a question like, would you pay fourteen ninety nine for the WWE Network? Which maybe we'll talk about that if we have time because that was it. But let's move on and uh, get to this other question. Hopefully they're louder. Good morning. This is, Co- this is Cody Simmons from Lancaster, California. I, um, how are you guys doing? Uh, I'm good. And, uh, Dennis? Um, good. I had a question that I wanted to see that would be answered. Would um, Impact Wrestling has had a lot of innovative matches like Lethal, Lethal Lockdown, uh, Reverse Battle Royal, uh, Ultimate X, the list goes on. I was wondering what what is your favorite innovative stipulation of Impact's full history? Uh, thank you, and have a great day. Pete, you know what the best part is? I'll listen off the air, guys. What? Remember, you, Do you ever listen to talk shows in there? All right, I'll listen to the answer off the air. Um, <laughs> no, but no. okay. Thanks. Um, <laughs> Uh, all right, let's get to the question. Uh, so Cody said, uh, my favorite innovative type of match. Um, so I haven't been involved in, uh, I've been involved in f- a few, just to name a few, obviously, uh, the ultimate X match one, I believe they called it, uh, maybe the terror dome. Not sure if that was what it was called or if that's what us boys were calling it in the back where we had to like kind of scale up a cage and, uh, it was like a like a sphere type, like a like a semicircle. Uh, we had to get out the hole in the top. Um, you know, I, I've been in like, uh, steel cage matches, uh, like six sides of steel, um, the gauntlet matches, 
uh, I was even involved and it was uh, ranked by Meltzer the worst match of the year. It was a reverse battle royal where you had to try to get in the ring. Like you started like on the mats on the outside and you had to try <laughs> to get in the ring. And then once, I can't remember how many guys they, they allowed to get in the ring, like maybe 10 or something. Um, maybe we start with 20 and then 10 guys get in the ring. And then it was a regular battle royal where, you know, it was over the top rope. Um, which it was ridiculous. I wasn't one of the guys getting in the ring. So I had to like pretend like I'm trying to get in this ring and I'm getting pulled down. And, you know, once uh, the 10 guys were there and they rang the bell and I was like, okay, I just walked to the back. Like it was so weird and so ridiculous. Um, but yeah, my favorite is probably, uh, you know, and I hate that I'm saying this, but the ultimate X match, just because you could do a lot of innovative stuff in there. And it, it really like, it, it kind of solidified the X division of that type of match. Um, would I like to see these matches return? Maybe in the future. The problem with Impact had in its earlier years, it's like you're having an Ultimate X match like, you know, four to six times a year. You know, like it should, that should be like a, a one time a year thing. And that's it. And they just kind of overkilled it. So it's good that we're not doing all these crazy King of the Mountain and, uh, you know, Ultimate X, Elevation X, Terradome matches. So in that way, when we do bring him back, it's like, oh, man, it's been five years since we've seen this. This is going to be good, you know, and use it like as it's supposed to be, like kind of like, you know, a, a nostalgia type thing. Um, not just like, hey, you know, OK, what stipulation are we going to throw in this month in that case and all, all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, Ultimate X, that's probably my final answer. OK, there you go. Uh, Cody, thanks so much for calling. Like we said, 231-930-2053. I feel like I'm uh, back at ESPN Radio. All right, but uh, leave your questions. We will get to them. Thank you guys so much this week for – and it was short notice. We just put it out. We had actually more people than I thought call and ask a question, but we'll try to be a little more guiding next time. We're not These were great, but we may ask you a question and want to listen to your answer. But let's get back to the rest of the show. Uh, Daniel Bryant, listen, you've wrestled him. You've told stories about carrying his bags, it seems like, or at least riding with him in his last match before going to the E. I, I found myself watching SmackDown this week. And watching Daniel Bryant wrestle, I stopped appreciating everything he could do. I stopped appreciating his technique and his skill. And I just found myself worried about him getting another head injury. Uh, I don't know if this is going to wear off. And this is such a weird thing to say, but I don't know if I can appreciate Daniel Bryant because I'm way too nervous now about... I And I don't want to be watching when he gets hurt. There's nothing gruesome than watching a wrestler get injured. I, I was watching Monday Night Football and a guy breaks his ankle. There, I, I am not a fan of the gruesome stuff. I don't like blood. I, I'll watch a good bloody match if it tells a story, but over blood, I just, I don't get it. I don't understand death hardcore matches. But watching Daniel Bryan, I, I, it sucks the fun out of it because now I'm just worried about him. Yeah, and that, that I mean, I, I can respect that, Dennis. I really can. And it's, you know, he's not old. He's still in his prime. The problem is he was out for how many years with this neck injury? Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, okay, he's he's cleared. You know, there's been so many times he was trying to get cleared and nope, nope, nope. And then finally they're like, yep, you're cleared. 
And then he's been wrestling, and then he does that drop kick in the corner, and he kind of lands on his back of his head and stuff. And it's kind of like, is that going to be the one that does it? I, I, I get what you're saying. You know, it's kind of like, um, you know, when I watch a, a guy that's been wrestling for 25 years, and they're getting older, and they're still trying to do the stuff that they used to do when they were younger and more agile, and you're like, uh, did he really hurt himself there? It, it puts a sense of realism to it. But it's kind of like uneasy because you're right. You can't really appreciate the story that's being told in the match. You're more worried about like, uh, is he actually hurt? Oh, no. Okay. He, he, he's getting up now. You forget about the story they're trying to tell. So, yeah, I feel like you're right. It does suck a little bit of fun out of just being like, you know, submerged in that story and just trying to like be all about that when you're just more worried about like, oh, you landed on the back of his neck. Like you, you're not even thinking about it during the match. Until he does something, lands on the back of his neck, you're like, oh, he has a neck injury, and that comes back in your mind. So, I, I, I get it. The problem is, though, he can still put on really good matches. It just, I, I, I get what you're saying about, like, hey, is he really going to hurt himself kind of deal? Yeah, I mean, it's a tough situation to be put in, and maybe that's why, you know, he might not see that stardom like he saw at WrestleMania 30 ever again. Do you... Right? Do you, is there a wrestler, maybe he's a friend that you cringe every time he gets in the ring because you're just, maybe he has a history or you're worried that something might happen to him? Oh, yeah. I do that with Steiner all the time now. I mean, the guy's, I don't know, 50, I don't even know his age, but I, I saw, you know, I was actually an agent for his match. It was, it was like his second last match at Impact. It was him versus Eli. They just broke up after they won the tag titles. And then I lost the tag titles and they broke up and they were going to wrestle each other. And, you know, two things I worry about in his match. Um, you know, he's not like 250 pound jacked up Scott Steiner like he used to be in the 90s or even the early 2000s. You know, he's Scott Steiner that's been through a lot of surgeries and stuff. Um and he's throwing people around. And I know he's not as strong as he used to be. So when he gives these guys these belly-to-bellies and stuff, I'm like, oh, man, is, is, it, is he going to be okay? Is he going to slam his neck into the ground? Not Steiner, but his opponent. So I worry for the opponent. And I, like this one move they did where I, I guess being an agent, I should have stepped in and should have said something like, you think that's a good idea? You guys should be doing this? Like at one point, um, Eli picked Steiner up in an electric chair. That's kind of like when you're sitting on somebody's shoulders. And then, in my mind, I thought Steiner was going to, uh, I thought it was going to be more, like, gingerly, like, placed down. But instead, Eli kind of, like, threw him forward. And Steiner kind of landed, like, on his heels and then right to his butt. And I'm like, ah, like, is, are, both his knees are gone. He, bore, he tore both ACLs. That's exactly what I'm thinking in my head. But he got up and he finished the match. But then afterwards, he was, you know, he was limping and he felt it. So sometimes, you know, it's it's really hard as a wrestler to give up, like, the things that you used to do in the ring. I, good. I'm glad that you, you agree with me. Let's talk about Bully Ray. He put out a tweet, and it was part of a longer tweet, but I just kind of want to isolate it. And we talked a little bit about it on the Dugcast with James Ellsworth. He's, he really skirted the question. I, I, I get and understand it, but... I'm going to ask you, and I hate uh, regurgitating a lot of things that I do on one podcast over the other. I want them to feel separate. Uh, I, although I did do the uh, Daniel Bryant thing over there, and he didn't really give me anything. So I'm glad you you talked a little bit more about it. But 
Bully Ray came out on Twitter, I believe it was last week or the week before, and somewhere in the tweet he kind of had said he believes he is the best heel right now in professional wrestling. And I wanted to ask you, do you think Bully Ray is the best heel right now in professional wrestling? Now, personally, I'd say he's up there. He has a lot of lineage to draw from, expertise. He's using Twitter right as a heel. He has a radio show on Busted Open. He's he's really using his platforms to go full heel. As far as, and I don't know. I don't watch a lot of Ring of Honor. Uh, I watch some WWE. I think he's probably the best heel compared to anybody in the WWE. Uh, right now, Randy Orton might be a distant second to him. In Impact Wrestling, Boy, there was a minute there where I would call Sammy Callahan the greatest heel in wrestling and even over Bully Ray with what he was doing. Uh, Sammy has cooled down a little bit with the the push you guys were giving him, I guess would be the right way to say that. But I would I could put Bully 1A, Sammy you know, Sammy and Bully 1A 1B. Uh you know, I don't think I don't think there's anybody else. I, you know, I'm trying to think. Yeah, of, of... I mean, it's it's tough to be a heel like that because, like, man, you look at somebody like Elias in WWE, like, people kind of cheer for him because he's got kind of a cool gimmick, a cool act. But, like, you know, he, he'll also get mad heat when he throws out his one-liners and stuff and people boo him. So, you know, if, if, if he, like, made a some adjustments to his heel persona, he can really be that guy that everybody hates, Elias. Um, Bully, I mean, he's up there. He can play the part as that guy that just that, like, back to the future reference, like that Biff Tannen guy, like, oh, man, you just want to punch this guy in the face, man. We, we I hope whatever baby face comes out here, you know, kicks the crap out of him. He, he can, he plays that really good. I remember when I, when the X Division did an angle with uh, him and Devon, you know, the fans wanted the X Division guys to really beat the crap out of them because what they were doing to the X Division. I mean, uh, he, he's up there. Is he the best? I mean, all, all the things that you said, like Sammy's really good. Um, he gets a lot of heat. This is Sammy's problem. Okay. He's in Ohio versus everything. He's super Ohio. If he goes to Ohio, he's getting cheered. He's not getting booed. You know, same thing with like when Team Canada, when I used to be in Team Canada. Everywhere we went in the U.S., people hated us. We go over to Canada, we're the biggest biggest good guys. So um, th- th- that's tough. Like, Sammy can't do that because he has Ohio behind him, right? Uh, if you look at somebody like uh, Bully, you know, I-, I feel that if he were to walk into the ECW arena, he's going to get cheered, you know, just because of, like, who he used to be. Um, so, I mean, he- he's probably up there. It's the best. Oh, I mean, I don't know, Dennis. I mean, I, I really don't. I mean, he, he's definitely up there. I mean, that's a really, that's a, that's a really good question. That's a, that's a, it's a thinker. For my money, it's Sammy Callahan right now. And I'm not just saying that to kiss his butt because he's, he, he's been very good to me anytime we've sat and talked, but everything he's done, he goes above and beyond his on-screen character right now. I feel like there's no other wrestler who has a better feel or touch on who he is as a character in the ring, psychology-wise, 
than Sammy Callahan. He do, he's not afraid to do anything to take to take skewers to the head or you know to be in a, a pinata death match or whatever that match was you guys had with you know uh, was a Mexican death match. I'm sorry. So correct. Yep. So to me right now, Sammy Callahan and. I even think you guys are underusing Sammy Callahan in storylines. You've got you right now you've got lightning in a bottle gold. You've given him the ball, even though it came off a Eddie Edwards bat to the face, and he carried that ball and he was successful. And I, I know that wrestling is ebb and flows. There are ups and downs, and you, you have to do different things to keep somebody relevant. You push someone to the top, and then you bring them back down. You you, you create another storyline and eventually push them to the top. Nobody can stay to the top forever. Even Hulk Hogan proved that in his you know last years in WWE. But right now, I, I wish Sammy Callahan had a belt. He need Not that he needs a belt, but for me as a fan and everything he does, he deserves a belt. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Sammy's probably our our best heel. Um, I think Austin Aries, great heel. Sometimes he likes to be too cute and cute as in like he, he'll say stuff that's so like clever and witty and, 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 and quick that you have to appreciate it almost. You're like, oh, man, I hate that guy. But, man, that was really clever what he said. So I think um, his cleverness sometimes holds him back just a little bit. But he is great. Like. Um, the show coming up on Thursday on Impact, like he puts this like ten minute promo that totally sells the pay. It's it's awesome. Like you don't have to tell Aries what to say, whatever. Just be like, hey man, go out there and sell the Bound for Glory match with you and Johnny Impact, and he'll do it. And it is phenomenal. Not take anything away from him, um, but I think that's what maybe. And he's 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 super athletic in the ring. He's like looks like gold. So sometimes that will actually work against you as a heel. Right, what? like bully, he's a big, a big guy and all that kind of stuff. But going back to Sammy, all right, um, I agree with you. And you got to remember, like all the stuff he was doing after Eddie Edwards, he was like positioned as like a top heel. He really was. And right now, you know, the Bound for Glory match they have coming up, where it's OVE versus uh, the Lucha Brothers and Brian Cage. You know, that's what it is right now. That's gonna be a phenomenal match of the pay per view. But, you know, if you don't think that they have plans for Sammy in the future, if anybody does, doesn't, I mean, that's, that, that, that's, that's just thinking stupid. That's not, that's illogical. Obviously, you know, Sammy's one of the star players in Impact, and they're going to do what they got to do with the star players. I'll just, I'll leave it at that. All right. Uh, let's see here. I'll, I'll let you pick the final topic, okay? We've got time for one more, and we're already against the wall where we want to get out of here. Uh I, you pick it, Dennis. I mean, I've, <laughs> I, whatever you want to talk about. All right, L- let's cut to the chase here. You want to talk about? Okay, all right. I'm not a big fan of other wrestling podcasts. There are very few I I listen to. Uh, I listen to In This Ring a little bit. I listen to uh, the Irish Whip uh, podcast. I. I, I don't listen to a ton of something to wrestle with, but I did listen the other day, and they were talking to Bruce Pitt Pritchard in the question of our wrestlers independent contractors. And it, it, it got me to think. And if you haven't listened, go listen. I don't know if Bruce is, you know, regurgitating the company line on this. I don't know if it's true or not. But as a person 
who has a legit job in the workforce, if I sign with a company and I'm not allowed to do my own media, I'm not allowed to work anywhere else, I'm 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 bound by their rules, I am an employee. I, there's an employee code of conduct, I am an employee. I think WWE wrestlers are employees. They are not contracted in this. And by the way, if you don't know why this is important, it, a lot of healthcare and stuff like that comes from this issue unionizing stuff like that not that you could see wrestlers unionize i don't think the structure of the backbone is there for that to happen but impact i can see them being contractors because they come in they work for a day they're free to do anything else their own media they have a lot more control of their careers but when you sign with the wwe you are property of the wwe and they control every aspect of who you are at that point so, yes, I agree with uh, probably 80% of that. But uh, and let's take it back to before the WWE Network was a thing. So you had pay-per-view buys, okay? So with a pay-per-view buy, if you're, let's say, the main event of a, a pay-per-view, depending on the buy rates, so it was up to you to sell that pay-per-view. You were on the TV show. It's up to you. Um you know, you, you get a percentage of those buys based on where you are on the card. So main event, you get money, opening match, wherever you were on that card. That's that's what you get. Um, so if you look at that, say if you work for a company like, I don't, I don't even know what company. But if you're an employee, you get benefits, all that kind of stuff, all right? If you, if you up your production... You know, like, I mean, you're not going to see, unless you're in some sort of like sales management type spot or whatever the case may be. But if you're just an employee, like working a line or whatever the case may be, if you go above and beyond and like make the company more money, you're not going to see a dime of that. All the shareholders and all that people up there are going to see it, not you. So, you know, you look at, so that's why it's kind of like independent. Like you're getting a share for that. And then uh, for the gate too, like house shows and stuff like that. You know, based on where you are in the card, if you're on like Hulk Hogan versus Sting, you guys are the the the, the draw, right? And you're going to get the majority of that gate. Um, if you're an employee, it's like, okay, here's your pay, here's your whatever thousands of dollars. That's it. We keep all the money from the gate. And they're probably looking at it like back in the '80s and '90s, going like, man, I just drew twenty thousand people here, and I only got this. Imagine if I got an extra dollar for each person that was in here. That's an extra $20,000 in my pocket. Like, so it, it goes both ways, right? If you're an employee, you're not going to see all those benefits and stuff like that and all those um, bonuses, if you want to call it like that. It, it's just not going to happen. Um, but I do feel like an employee to the company, right? If you're in WWE, for example, you can't, you can't work anywhere else. All the media has got to be done through all of them and everything. is So, yeah, essentially you are an employee. You're locked into a contract, but... You know, that's your contract that you signed as an independent contractor. And it also sucks, like, you know, you have to pay Social Security, so you're paying double of that. Like, when you have an employee, you, you know, your your employee employer pays half of your Social Security and stuff like that. When you're an independent contractor, you're paying the whatever, 21% or whatever it is. So it has its its pluses and minuses. Um, I, I just don't think they'd ever be employees. If it was an employee, it's like, hey, here's your flat rate. Here's your salary. Uh, regardless of what you work, we own you. 
Um, you don't get any, you know, merchandise bonus or any of the other bonuses aren't going to come to you. WW, I mean, might benefit off that. Maybe. But then again, now you're in the union talk, you know, and then then you got to pay once they retire. Okay, is there retirement and all that kind of stuff? WWE doesn't want to get into that. So I think where they're at right now, I don't think you'll ever see that change. All right, there we go, PD. Let's promote, wrap up. We went a little bit longer than we wanted to. Let me start with saying thank you to everybody who called and left voicemails. Please keep doing it. We want to be interactive, whether you have a question or a comment. Let's say you heard us say something and you don't agree with it. We would love to have your feedback. Please keep it G-rated, 231-930-2053. I've, uh, I've completed my obligation to uh, uh, reading that email a few times. Uh, Wrestling Perspective Podcast at gmail.com is the email. Wrestling Perspective Pod. No, it's Wrestling Perspective at gmail.com. Wrestling Perspective Podcast. Uh, Dot com is where you get all the links to all the podcasts. You take it with you, subscribe. That's what helps us. Pete, before we go, let's talk a little bit about Blue Chew, shall we? Oh, let's talk about Blue Chew. I, I tell you what, I, I took it again. I wish my wife was there, but I took it again. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you laughed at that. But listen, yeah, Blue Chew really does work, Pete. Uh, you know... As we've made the joke many times, you don't want to be the curtain jerker. You don't want to be a jobber in the bed. You 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 want to put on a five-star match. You want the crowd to chant, F forever, fight forever. That's what I'm going with there. You want them to chant, this is awesome. You want to be cheered. You want your hand raised at the end of the night. But sometimes you go out there and you put on a three-star match, and you think it's great, right? You think you're, you're? Would you be happy with a three star match, Petey? Uh, no, no, I don't want. Well, no, no you would. No, I don't you, want a three star match. No, you don't. And if you did say yes, then I would hang up on you right now and continue this ad without you. No, that's right. You don't. I'm you, not. I I don't settle for three star matches. Look, I mean, even if it ends up three stars, that's on me. Right. But I mean, it'll never happen if I have the proper enhancement that I need. Blue chew. And then I'll get the five six star match now. Six star match. You know, because of you, the fans who go out and you use the offer code Ellsworth, you get your free sample Blue Chew. Only pay five dollars shipping. I know you have five dollars. Trust me, uh, you're you're giving Conrad Thompson millions of dollars. You have five bucks for us because you're doing that. I can now afford to buy Petey Williams lunch this weekend. That's how excited I am with this Blue Chew money. Uh, lunch for me with the blue chew money. I mean, we're probably gonna be going to the buffet. That's that's right. Does Canada have its own buffet? <laughs> all what? you can eat. I, 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 maybe. Wait, wait. Are, are you an all you can eat guy? Uh, I can be. It's been, uh, it's it, been, you know, years. it depends on the circumstance, man. If the, like, I mean, is it uh, pre blue chew, post blue chew? Is it before or after bed? I mean, I don't, I don't know. It depends. This is this is legit because right, it's been years since I've been to a buffet. And now that you brought it up, I kind of want to go to a buffet now. We should. And you know what? Not th- you got me thinking to experiment with blue chew. Like, so here's the thing: uh, doing the deed, <laughs> doing the deed in bed on a full stomach. Eh, I mean, it doesn't feel good, right? But what if we all have seen Hulk Hogan's you know, golfer I, video? I, yeah. I had a full stomach, then blue chew. If it was okay, I mean, what? It, it, that'd be so awesome because I get both the best of both worlds. I don't have to wait like, oh, okay, I got to wait a couple hours so my stomach settles before I do the deed. 
Now you can just be like, oh man, I just ate a buffet. Now I get to pop a blue chew. Done. Man, first experiment in the books. When I'm done with this podcast right now, I'm going to go upstairs. I'm going to take some blue chew, hop in a shower. I'm going to come out, get dried off. I'm going to lay in the bed and beg my wife for some for some hugs and kisses if there are any kids listening right now because that's what adults do, kids. <laughs> we just hug and kiss, and that's it. And sometimes yep. she's going to tell me she's too busy to hug and kiss or she's going to read her book. That's what happens, boys. When women get older, you have, <laughs> you have to fight for her time. And I wish there was a female blue chew I could like slip into her drink because she's my wife and I can do that, that would make her want like a Spanish fly blue chew or something. Hey, that's experiment number two. See if blue chew works for females as well. <laughs> I'm sure it doesn't, but go listen. Whether you use blue chew or not, I hear a lot of people. I, look, you know what? I'm going to put grocery store Derek on blast right now. Friend of the show. He came out to the first CWL show. He was amazing. But I had said, hey, go go order Blue Chew for us, man. It, it helps the numbers. He goes, I'm not going to get Blue Chew. And I think I snapshotted that, sent it to you, and said, he he doesn't need it. Well, um, I beg to differ. However, uh, we'll see him on Sunday. And, uh, you know, maybe we need to spoon feed him a Blue Chew so he changes his mind. You know what we should do? We should do, like, add, add it to your merch table. <laughs> yes now you're thinking experiment number three this is great keep spitballing I, i'm trying but uh blue chew has been kind enough to keep going on uh they're buying the gas because somehow i become pd williams personal driver i i put his bags in the car i have a he makes me wear a chauffeur hat by the way when i take him to shows it's the weirdest thing it, it looks cute on you though you know what i hate is the fact that you make me go out and rent a limousine every time i have to take you to a show and i have to sit up front all by myself can we stop doing yeah, that but how how important do you feel being the chauffeur of a limousine come on i don't because you know i first of all it's here's my morning folks by the way go get bluechew.com anyways here's my morning i pull up i have to hit the buzzer go through the gate then there's about a six mile long driveway and, you know, I look at people sculpting the leaves and the bushes and the, you know, wrestling moves. And then, you know, there's somebody painting the house. And I finally pull up. He makes me wait for 20 minutes. Uh, out comes P.D. Williams. He's got, like, six bags, by the way, for one wrestling show. And here's how arrogant P.D. Williams is. P.D. makes me get out of the car, the one I rented with my own money, by the way, walk all the way back, open the door for him. Then he makes me, not his butler, Put the bags in this car. It's it's the most ridiculous thing ever. You know, I just do it because you got to pay your dues in wrestling. I mean, that's <laughs> the, I've done it. You got to do it regardless. I Even though you have somebody else to do it, I, or I can do it myself, you, you got to do it. Well, anyways, bluechew.com. Uh, listen next week as you find out if we go to a buffet all jacked up on Blue Chew. That's that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> that that's up on blue chew buffet. Dude, that's the saddest um, buffet ever. Five wrestlers all jacked up on blue chew and nowhere to go. <laughs> but no, uh, it'd be a great day. Listen, we don't make a ton of money, but they they have been amazing to us. And as I said, we want you guys to go over use the promo code Ellsworth, get the five bucks. Okay, get your five bucks. It's for shipping and handling. You get a free order. 
your woman will thank you. Trust me. She will thank you. Maybe she will get down on one knee and ask to marry you. That's that's how awesome that is. With a blue chew in one hand and a ring in the other. That's Perfect. Maybe she'll she'll like poke a hole in the middle of the blue chew and use that as the ring. <laughs> a blue chew ring. That's <laughs> we gotta stop there. We can't go anywhere else with this blue chew ring thing. All right. All right, guys. It's this week's wrestling perspective as always. Thank you, Petey. Uh you don't have anything to promote, do you? No, just the the Border City Wrestling. Uh, show coming up on Saturday in Windsor, Ontario at St. Clair College, 25th anniversary. I think like D'Lo Brown's going to be there. Uh, you got Johnny Swinger, uh, myself, Chris Saban. Chris Saban will be there, OVE. Uh, my matches, myself, Chris Saban, Tyson Dukes versus OVE. Um, and then we're just across the border the next day on Sunday at uh, in Belleville. Um, we're, uh, I think I am have a match with Seidel and Nate Matson and... Uh, I'm forgetting the fourth person. Oh, my God. They're going to hate me when they listen to this. Um, I just don't remember off the top of my head. But uh, Stack Card, Moose is going to be there. All, all the Impact regulars will be on these shows. I think the one on Sunday will be a, a Twitch show. Uh, so you'll be able to watch that on Twitch. And we'll have the podcast equipment. So we'll do our best to get as many interviews as always as possible. So, oh, by the way, last-minute question that just came in. Uh, this came from Trent Z. I feel bad for waiting to the last minute to a- ask you this, but uh, even though Vine is dead, is PD ever going to get back into the hilarious clip videos again? Because his vines were fantastic. Trent Z. Oh, thank you, Trent Z. Um, dude, I, I want to. I heard late last year, 2017, that Vine Part 2 was supposed to be coming out um, sometime this year. I guess that's not happening. Um, I was really looking forward to it. I've thought about it. Um, you know, I, and I remember doing vines with, uh, with the young bucks and now they blew that up. Now they have their own shoot show, uh, being the elite and stuff. And, uh, you, you know, I, I just, I can't, they, they put a lot of effort and stuff like that. And I know, man, I know I would be obsessed with it again. I was obsessed with vine and these seven second videos. I was like, my whole day was wrapped around it. Um, and I was just thinking about it all the time. It was fun. Um, will it happen? Ah, I, I don't know. It's doubtful in my mind. I have all these ideas, but, uh, to actually get them filmed and all that kind of stuff that, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I definitely very, I was like seriously considering it. Um, um, when I made my comeback from wrestling, but, uh, I don't think it's going to happen to be honest. I'm just being honest here. You know, just me and you talking, Dennis. I'm just being honest. Well, between us, I can't wait till you start doing a podcast. Uh, yeah, me too. Maybe one day I'll be able to do that. Make something of it. Who knows? All right, guys. Wrestling perspective. Thank you so much. And tell your friends. Uh, that's this week's show. Good night, everybody. We'll see you next week. Say good night, Pete. Good night.